Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So Donald Trump has a plan to woo white middle-class suburban women. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But first, Greg Pallas, journalist and the author of How Trump Stole 2020, his most recent book is on the line with us, gregpallas.com, of course, the website and the Twitter handle. You're having to sue Georgia again? Do I have this right? Well, I'm hoping not. What if he did the right thing? As you know, about six weeks ago, the ACLU issued a report of mine that 198,351 voters, you know, nearly 200 grand of voters, were wrongly, illegally removed from the voter rolls by a partisan hack named Brad Raffin's Perger, his name really is Perger, the guy who took Brian Kemp's place and, and continued Brian Kemp's bleaching of the voter rolls whiter than white. And we have said, look, you've got to take a look at this list that the ACLU released, and you've got to look at the evidence that these people are wrongly removed, put them back on so they can vote. Now, I have to say that in the state of Wisconsin, they took our information, our list, and they agreed with us that the voters should be purged. But in the state of Georgia, look, let's face it, the reason we all have Georgia on our mind is that it could change not only the White House, but the Senate. And that's what the GOP is concerned with. It's now a white minority state. They don't stand a chance. The polls are showing Biden is neck and neck with Trump. But more important, two Democrats are uh, winning the Senate races. That could flip the Senate. And they are panicked. So the only thing that they can do is stop voters from voting. So we are demanding that they look at this information. I don't care whether it's it's not up to me whether people vote Democratic or Republican. The issue is there's 198,000 voters out there who are going to be blocked from voting. That's four times the supposed Kemp victory margin of 2018. And this could literally determine the presidency and the Senate. Very concerned. So we're saying, look, we beat you in court once. By the way, you remember uh, the Palace Investigative Fund. I sued Brian Kemp when he was Secretary of State and his current successor. And the federal courts said, you guys are are lying, basically, to the court. You better open up your files to Mr. Palace. even had a pair of lawyers. So I was saying, look, do do I really have to sue you again? Of course, they want me to sue because they know that they can kite that past the election. I'm asking. I don't know what to do except to say, call on this 
GOP hack in Georgia to try to remember that he's an American and put these Americans back on the voter rolls. It's an amazing, amazing story. Broadly speaking, as you're looking out at the country here, you know, with your mm-hmm. investigative reporter hat on and having been the guy who broke back in 2000, the story of how the only reason that George W. Bush even got within spitting distance of Al Gore was because his brother took George W. Bush's felon list from Texas, applied it to the voter list in Florida, where his brother Jeb was the governor, and yep. uh, you know purged, what was it, 90,000 African-Americans to the voting rolls? Uh, 94,000 people were purged, mostly African-Americans. That was the election. 88% were, were Democratic voters. And that's how we ended up with George W. as president. We are hoping that we don't uh, have a Jim Crow election again, but it's looking bad. So are you seeing this happening in other states beyond Georgia? Other states, yes. There's many states where we've had these ugly purges from uh, the Carolinas. We've had about 30 states conducting purges. The most severe is Ohio. Nearly a million voters wiped off the voter rolls by the GOP hackster who's the secretary of state there. Very serious stuff. And then we also have the problem that in states where even the Democrats have taken over, like North Carolina and Michigan, where unlike Wisconsin or other states, they're not putting back the people that were removed by the GOP. So I'm very, very concerned that we're going to have literally millions of people. Remember, according to Brennan Center and the federal government, 16.7 million people have been removed from the voter rolls, purged, wiped out in the last two years. There's going to be a lot of people showing up surprised that they're not allowed to vote. I do want to remind people, bring ID, bring proof of address, because if you've been wiped off the voter rolls, you don't know it, you show up in several states like Michigan and Wisconsin, you can register on Election Day, but you're going to have to have all kinds of paperwork with you. Bring it. It could be you. Right. Bring your Social Security card, bring your birth certificate, bring your utility bills, bring your driver's license, bring your passport, bring everything you possibly can. Let me just remind people. with an official picture on it. Yeah, a photo ID in some states. Yeah, let me just remind people that in the 2016 election, the exit polls showed Hillary Clinton won Florida 47 to 46%, that she won North Carolina 48 to 46%, that she won Pennsylvania 50 to 46%. These are the exit polls. And she won Wisconsin 48 to 44%. But in each one of those four states, because those people who gave her the margin of victory were almost certainly voting provisional ballots because they had been purged from those states' voter rolls by Republican secretaries of state. When they walked out of the ballot, out of the voting place, they told the exit pollster, yes, I voted for Hillary Clinton, but the state never counted their ballots because there wasn't a lawsuit in those states that forced them to, and red states generally don't count provisional ballots. And so instead... so. Bottom line is we saw a two and a half point gain for Trump in Florida. We saw a 5.9 percent gain for Trump in North Carolina. We saw a 5.6 percent redshift for Trump in Pennsylvania. And we saw a 5.1 percent redshift for Trump in Wisconsin. We're looking at polls right now that are within two, three, four percent in these states where you've got over five percent redshift caused by people being thrown off the voting rolls. And that was 2016. I, it sounds to me like they're getting even more aggressive now, Greg. Or is this um, yes. yeah, are they less aggressive? No, it's more aggressive. It's nasty. It's aggressive. I've been trying to bust them. Thank you to the ACLU. Thank you to Black Voters Matter, warning people, trying to reverse this. Again, our only palpable success is Wisconsin. Understand, we have this nasty little secret America where we don't count all the votes. 900 
25,000, nearly 1 million provisional ballots were cast in 2016 and then rejected, never counted, never tallied. Only a million, which is, by the way, more than 11 times Trump's supposed victory margin. So it's huge. Be very careful with your registration. Check your registration right now at vote.org or go to gregpalace.com, check out the links. And in those states where you can re-register, do so, where you have same-day registration, bring your ID. And by the way, a lot of states don't tell you. Like I walk into a California voting station, there's no sign, no indication that you can actually register right there, right now, if they say that that you're not registered. Instead of taking a provisional ballot, say, may I register today? I've got ID with me. So, you know, look, the trickery, they're desperate. The trickery is terrible. In places like Georgia, where it's not only the presidency, but two Senate races, Michigan, where there's a a tight, tight Senate race, look out for the Jim Crow trickery. It's really bad. And they're they're having to do this because this is the only way they can win elections. The front page graphic on the New York Times uh, website right now, in 1976, 71% of the voters were white college voters without college degrees. That's Trump's base. Today, that's 39%. In 1976, 17% of the electorate was white voters with college degrees, who tend to be Democratic voters. Now it's 34%. And in 76, only 11% of the electorate was minority voters. Today it's 27%. So, you know, they're, they're running against the demographic tide, and the only way they can do it is to suppress the vote. And Greg Palace, you are doing God's work out there telling people about it. They should get over to gregpalace.com and see the whole story. Greg, thanks for dropping by. Tell God to bring his ID to vote. There you go, Greg. Amen. And be sure to check out Greg's new book, How Trump Stole 2020. Hey, did you know that Hillary Clinton actually won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Florida in the 2016 election? It's on page 92 of my new book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Tom Harbin here with you. We had the, uh, maybe the last time uh, we will be subjected to having to watch Donald Trump on stage. It was tough. And then afterwards, Sonali and Julio and I were talking on Free Speech TV about this whole thing, and I, it, it was just bizarre. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was discussed, and very little of it where Donald Trump didn't take an opportunity to lie or exaggerate or or wine. I mean, it was pretty astonishing. He said about herd immunity, he said everything except herd immunity. He said, you know, we have to open up the schools. We got to learn to live with this. We got to, you know, and, and young people don't get sick and et cetera, et cetera, you know, echoing Scott Atlas. In other words, old people, overweight people, people with diabetes, people with heart disease. <laughs> I mean, this is the, Trump might as well have just you know laughed at everybody. You know, two hundred thousand dead people. Yeah. And Biden pointed out, you know, they're saying it's going to be another two hundred thousand dead people by the end of the year. And and Trump is like, yeah, who cares? His tax returns. He's uh, he's still he wants to share them with us, don't you know? But he's under audit, so he can't. Which is just a naked lie. He was talking about China, and this is the guy who took $15 million out of some somebody. I was surprised Biden didn't bring this up. I've only seen it in two places, the Financial Times and I believe the New York Times. But I'm pretty sure those are fairly solid sources that not only does Trump have a secret checking account in China, 
But right after he got elected president, or right after he was sworn in in early 2017, somebody in China put like $18 million in this checking account, and Donald Trump transferred 14 or $15 million of it to his own pocket here in the United States. Like around the same time that Ivanka was getting trademarks from China, and and Trump was praising Xi and having lunch with him and, uh, you know, at Mar-a-Lago and all this kind of stuff. It's just uh, North Korea. North Korea, Trump was like, oh, we've got him in a box not to worry. Right. They've been developing an intercontinental ballistic missile. They rolled it out a couple weeks ago. Again, Biden didn't go after him on this, which kind of pleased me, actually, because it would have been the, the traditional American saber rattling, we're the empire, we've got to save the world kind of stuff. And I'm, I think increasingly Americans are over that. In fact, the two things that caused a lot of people to actually vote for Trump four years ago was, number one, he said, we're going to bring jobs home from China. He hasn't done that. We've actually lost more factories during the last four years than we have gained. And our trade deficit with China has gone up rather than down because he's just a bumbling, incompetent idiot when it comes to negotiating things, which is why so many of his businesses have failed. I mean, who on God's earth can lose money running a casino? So, so you know, China's just eating his lunch. North Korea's eating his lunch. On healthcare, he, he kept referring to the public option. This is as far as Joe Biden is willing to go right now is, you know, we should have had a public option in Obamacare, and we will have it when I become president. And we would have had it if it wasn't for Joe Lieberman taking over a million dollars from the insurance industry and then giving it the thumbs down. You know, it's just a classic example. In fact, Lieberman had been basically, at that point, kicked out of the Democratic Party. He was an independent senator at the time. And he was like, hey, the insurance company gave me a million dollars. Screw the public option. So Biden says, you know, everybody should be able to buy into Medicare. Hey, if, if you're under 65 and you're listening to me, Medicare is great. And Trump says, oh, that's socialized medicine. This is the guy who, when he got sick with the coronavirus, went to the most socialized medicine facility in the United States. Right, with the, Socialized medicine is where the government owns the hospital and employs the doctors, right? I mean, it's just simple definition. You know, in socialized medicine, it's the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, more or less. I mean, there are British citizens who would argue that it's not quite socialist medicine, but, you know, close. But, but you know, for purposes in America of, of conversation, that's your socialized medicine. And people in Great Britain love it. I mean, you know, everybody has complaints about, you know, their system, but, but by and large, it's very, very popular. But that's not what Joe Biden is advocating, although that is what Walter Reed is. Walter Reed is a government-owned facility, a government-run facility. Every single person who attended to Donald Trump while he was there was an employee of the government. That literally is socialized medicine, and Donald Trump tried to tell us after having been cured of a deadly disease, particularly a disease that's deadly for obese 74-year-olds who wear inch-and-a-half-tall lifts in their shoes. You know, there's, there's this thread going around. Why is Donald Trump always leaning forward? Because he's got lifts in his shoes. People think it's a neurological disorder. Eh, maybe it is, but I, you know, I think it's just really simple. He wears a girdle and depends. He wears a girdle to hold his gut in, and he, he wears depends. I mean, several people who worked on, on uh, The Apprentice shows, you know, told us all about this. He's incontinent. I don't know what happened, but, 
and that's got to be uncomfortable. So he's leaning forward. But anyhow, he's, he's saying that a public option is socialized medicine. Right. Really? The kids in immigration was pathetic. And at the very end, after they went back and forth, and Joe Biden pointed out that there's over 500 children who, you know, they can't find their parents. This is the story that NBC broke a couple of days ago, actually. And at the very end, she was like, well, they still can't find their, you know, these kids still can't be reunited with their parents. And Trump says, good. And I'm sitting there going, did Trump just say good? And Louise was like, he's not that evil. I mean, he's crazy and he's evil, but to say good that the children can't be with their parents? No, he must have said something like go on or, you know, move to the next topic or something like that. I was like, I'm pretty sure I heard him say good. And then I, you know, I looked at Twitter and it's like, people are like, did I just hear him say good? Yeah, apparently we did. He keeps going after Biden for a piece of legislation in 1994 that had almost unanimous support in the House and Senate that, you know, was a terrible mistake. But of the times and at the time and all this kind of stuff seemed like a good idea, I suppose, to our legislators. You know, I was not a fan of it. I didn't, but whatever. And Biden twice said, you know, that bill was a mistake. Without pointing out that Trump is, you know, still calling for harsher penalties and, and, you know, death penalties and all these kinds of things. And then he goes on to say he's the least racist person in the room. He's saying this to a woman, you know, Kristen Welker, who's interviewing him, who is who's one parent is African-American and the other is Native American. And Trump is saying, oh, I'm the least racist. Really? He doesn't. Well, he does understand what racism is. He just won't own up to it. And fracking and fossil fuels. I was really encouraged to hear for the first time from any serious presidential candidate that we have to get off oil and we have to get off oil quickly because the pollution it's doing is destroying our planet. I thought that was a really, really kind of a high point, a great moment. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. By the way, uh, just to follow up on what Greg Pallas was talking about, the Supreme Court Wednesday overturned a lower court ruling that said that Alabama could have drive-up voting. The Republicans in Alabama want to force people, including disabled people. The, the argument that was being made is that people with disabilities or people who are, people who are vulnerable to COVID, people who are older, people who, are, who have type 2 diabetes, people who have heart disease, people who have asthma, you know, people who have the conditions that make it more likely that if they get the coronavirus at any age, they will die or be permanently injured. Those folks would rather not go in the building to vote. And so, you know, what the Alabama Secretary of State was planning to do was have somebody outside the voting place so that you could drive up and this person would hand you a clipboard with a ballot and you'd vote and hand it back and drive off and, you know, they'd check your ID and do it just like if you'd walked inside, but you don't have to get out of your car. Sort of like, you know, picking up your groceries at the store. Contactless. The Republicans sued and said, no, we can't have that. You've got to force people to get out of their cars and walk into the building. Because we think that will scare people who are worried about the coronavirus and those people, particularly older people who vote Social Security, Medicare, they're less likely to be willing to go into the building. So this is a way of suppressing the Democratic vote. It went to the Supreme Court. 
The Supreme Court ruled five to three. There's eight members of the court right now. Ruled five to three. The five conservatives said, to hell with the disabled people, to hell with people who are worried about COVID-19. We are all about putting Republicans in office. Keep in mind, two of those five people worked on the Bush v. Gore lawsuit in 2000 to steal the election away from Al Gore and give it to George W. Bush. And yes, it was stolen. Brett Kavanaugh and John Roberts worked on that lawsuit, as did Amy Coney Barrett. There will soon be three of them. But all five Republicans said, to hell with these folks, we're going to make it hard to vote. And the three liberals all said, oh, no, we should, you know, drive up voting should be no problem. Sonia Sotomayor wrote a very strong dissent. She wrote, the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic should by now need no elaboration. In other words, my five colleagues here are idiots. She went on to say the Alabama Secretary of State, however, has prohibited counties from offering curbside voting, even for voters with disabilities for whom COVID-19 is disproportionately likely to be fatal. If those vulnerable voters wish to vote in person, they must wait inside for as long as it takes in a crowd of fellow voters whom Alabama does not require to wear face coverings. You get this? It's amazing. And welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you on the line with us is a former senior advisor to Vice President Joe Biden, the former director of Latino affairs and the director of administration in the office of the vice president under both Clinton and Obama. Mo Vila, website JoeBiden.com, Twitter at Joe Biden. Mo, I hope I'm not mispronouncing your last name. Tell me, correct me if I am. What do you see playing out right now? Thanks for what you do for our progressive community around the nation. Look, I think this is, first of all, I never thought it. Tomorrow's my 59th birthday, and I never dreamed that on my journey of life I would ever see what we're seeing today with the dismantling of our democracy, with the hatred and the vile behavior on the Republican side. And nobody, really, no Republican being patriotic enough in the Senate or in Congress to stand up to this tyrant. So, you know what? I'm stupefied, to be honest with you. I never thought I'd see it. It is pretty extraordinary. Tell me about Amy Coney Barrett. First of all, you were the director of Latino affairs in the uh, office of Vice President Biden, if I have that correct. That is correct. What impact would her presence on the court have? In one particular case, she ruled that somebody using the N-word does not produce a hostile workplace. Yeah, this is such a very delicate topic, in my opinion, because I am one of the few Democrats you'll probably have on your show who recognizes that, regrettably, unfortunately, everything that's wrong with it, it's a foregone conclusion that she's going to be the next Supreme Court justice. So I I think that's obvious now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I go through this inner conflict because a lot of Democrats are, you know, like we got to stop it. We got to. The, the reality is the chances of stopping her nomination are slim to none. So there's a part of me that frankly says we just need to face the reality that she's she's going to end up being on the court. So your question is, what that impact? Well, listen, I also was senior advisor to Vice President Biden and Gore on LGBTQ issues. So both on the Latino front and the LGBTQ front, Amy Coney Barrett is extremely, extremely dangerous to my two communities. Frankly, she's dangerous to most Americans and our just our basic civil rights. You know, on the gay side, we've got to worry about gay marriage. 
On the gender side, we've got to worry about a woman's right to choose. On the Latino side, when she doesn't think calling somebody the N-word is a hostile work environment, something's wrong with you, Tom. Something is fundamentally wrong with you as a human being when you think that that's not hostile. And so uh, the bottom (laughs) line to your question, she's dangerous. (laughs) This is a big concern. I think that, uh, you know, Joe Biden saying we need to do something to fix all this. I mean, you know, he pointed out that courts of appeals can have as many. One has 19 members that, you know, that's not abnormal. In fact, that's how our courts have evolved. It's time for the Supreme Court to evolve as well. This guy in Germany has been uh, arrested for pepper spraying a jogger who ran by him uh, within a foot and a half of him refusing to wear a mask. And the guy was wearing a mask, the 71-year-old. Is it appropriate to use bear spray if somebody gets in your face and starts, you know, yelling Trump stuff at you without a mask? I predict that we will end up the longer this pandemic continues to survive, just haunt us all in our daily lives. I actually do believe that there will come a time where it will be okay to use bear spray on somebody who refuses to wear a mask when it's within six feet of you. And I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I, uh, as an openly gay man growing up in the AIDS pandemic, eventually became criminal, if you will recall, and it still is in many jurisdictions, to knowingly engage in behavior that could pass on the HIV virus. And I actually believe we're going to end up there with this virus as well. It's lethal. And if you know that you have it, or you know that you could have it, and you put somebody else at jeopardy, I don't see how that is not criminally liable. I'm tending toward completely agreeing with that point of view. Movil, a former senior advisor to Vice President Biden, JoeBiden.com, the website, IWillVote.com, of course, also be sure to check that out. Mo, thanks a lot for dropping by. It's great talking with you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. And I want to remind your listeners, vote, vote, please vote. Thank you, Tom. There you go. Amen. Thank you, Mo. Great talking with you. Fascinating times we live in, right? It's just kind of going through the pile of the news of the day that I wanted to share with you. There is a company in Ohio that the Ohio, Republican-run Ohio government, hired to print ballots. They're printing them for a bunch of eastern Ohio counties and parts of western Pennsylvania. The company's called Midwest Direct. It's owned by uh, two brothers. One of them is a guy named Richard Gebby. This is from an article in the New York Times, by the way, over the weekend. October 16 by uh, Reed J. Epstein. This summer, reading from the New York Times article, this summer they, this is Richard and his brother, the Gebby brothers who own Midwest Direct, this printing and mailing company. This summer they began flying a Trump 2020 flag above Midwest Direct's headquarters on the west side of Cleveland. We have freedom to vote for who we want and support who we want, Richard Gebby said in an interview last month. We fly a flag because my brother and I own the company and we support President Trump. So they got the contract to print these absentee ballots and to mail them out to people. A lot of these uh, direct mail companies, they do both. They do the printing and the mailing all in one facility. Several Ohio counties that expected absentee ballots printed by the company to land in voter mailboxes are now scrambling to print them themselves. In Pennsylvania, for instance, nearly 30,000 ballots were sent to voters in Allegheny County, which includes Pittsburgh, to the wrong address. Pittsburgh, a largely Democratic city. 30,000 ballots went to the wrong addresses. The county had provided the company with lists of tens of thousands of requests weeks in advance. 
Midwest Direct is the primary outside provider for absentee ballots in 16 Ohio counties. Several Ohio counties that expected absentee ballots printed by the company to land in voters' mailboxes are now scrambling. Gee, who could have predicted this? That a printing company that normally does just great work on time and is flying a Trump 2020 flag, when given the job of printing ballots that are going to go into largely Democratic cities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, somehow screwed the job up and the ballots never went out and the ones that did go out went to the wrong people. Who could have imagined? On the Science Revolution this week, there is more news from the Republican death cult. We need to start calling things what they are. The Republican Party is a death cult. Ryan Felton drops by on why dangerous forever chemicals are still allowed in America's drinking water. Professor Richard Wolff will be talking about how and why capitalism failed to protect us from COVID-19. And in geeky science, Trump makes the case for Medicare for all. Tune in for the science revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'd love to hear from the, uh, from the women in our audience if you think this is going to win over people 
or if this is just an indicator that Donald Trump is uh, developmentally stuck in 1955. He has suggested, he's done this in several of his rallies, where he's talking about suburban housewives. And what he's talking about are, you know, working class white women in the suburbs. And they're turning on him. They're turning against him. And, you know, we have some indication as to why. It might be the 20 plus women who have charged him with sexual assault or rape. It might be his paying off porn stars and playboy bunnies for sex. It might be the way that he speaks to women. Every time a woman is asking him questions, he denigrates them, he trash talks them, he speaks to them like they're children. So he's got some problems here, but he has a strategy. He actually has a strategy. And uh, this is how he played it just a couple of days ago in one of his uh, rallies. He said, this was a week ago Sunday. He says, the women come up to me. The women, they say don't like me. They actually do like me a lot. Why? Because I freed up their dishwashers to dispense more water. We freed it up. I'm quoting, I'm quoting Trump verbatim. We freed it up. Now you can buy a dishwasher and the water comes out. It's beautiful. Go and buy a dishwasher. Those dishwasher companies, I said, what's wrong with this thing? It doesn't clean the dishes, right? And now we freed it up and you can buy a dishwasher and the water comes out. Honest to God. And then he's like, you know, suburban women love me. You think it's going to work? It was all that evil regulation prevented you ladies in the suburbs from doing your wifely duties with your dishwashing machine. And Donald Trump solved that problem. Somehow I'm skeptical. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work. And this is Trump's Hail Mary. He's been talking this at several of his rallies now. And the women in the audience go nuts. You know, they love it. Of course, you know, they're, they're his followers. They're these Trump hoppers. So... Anyway, meanwhile, WJZ, the uh, local, uh, I'm not sure if it's a TV or radio station in Maryland, is reporting that uh, James Dale Reed, 42, of Maryland, was arrested after uh, writing a letter and leaving it at the home of somebody who had a Biden sign out front. Now, this is, you know, we have this story about how Iran was sending letters to registered Democratic voters, particularly minority registered Democratic voters, saying, we are the Proud Boys, and we are coming to get you if, if you don't vote for Donald Trump. We are going to, we're going to get you. And somehow, John Ratcliffe, the former, you know, cokehead, Freedom Works, uh, Tea Party congressman, who is now the director of national intelligence, said, this is because the Iranians want Trump to lose. Therefore, they're sending out, you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of emails mostly to minority voters saying that the Proud Boys are going to get them if they don't vote for Trump, which doesn't make any sense to me. But this is, this is a homegrown terrorist. This guy wrote this letter. It says, this is a warning. If you are a Biden-Harris supporter, you will be targeted. We have a list of homes and addresses by your election signs. This is local terrorism. We're the ones with those scary guns. We are the ones your children have nightmares about. And the letter goes on to say that they were going to kidnap, beat, sodomize, and then murder both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris 
on national television. I keep pointing out, you know, you look at these ISIS guys in their big pickup trucks with their giant ISIS flags, these giant oversized flags, as they're driving around the desert in Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq with their giant flags, you know, uh, shooting their guns in the air and going, Yahoo! And, and then going home and, you know, beating the women and their families and preventing them from going to school. And I'm like, what's the difference between these ISIS guys and these Trump humpers? You know, the proud Nazis out there. What's the difference? As far as I can tell, the only difference is one uses Islam as their excuse and the other uses Christianity as their excuse. Am I missing something here? But this is what's going on. And I mean, this is just, you know, one guy who got caught. How many others are there out there who didn't? He's facing charges of voter intimidation and threatening mass violence. James Dale Reed of Maryland. And he's probably out on bond now. God only knows if he's writing another letter. And it's not just Donald Trump who brought us to this point. It's the right-wing billionaires who have been funding this crazy You're listening to stuff. the Tom Hartman program. They're funding these, uh, you know, uh, uh, message campaigns, direct message campaigns, open the schools, all of those things. So is Trump going to win women by saying, I got more water for your dishwasher? Leslie in Davenport, Iowa, what do you think? No, I don't think that he's going to win people over. And two things I think that are impacting women. I never supported him, but I've heard people who were neutral or, you know, didn't like Hillary, who are women who are saying it's his complete failure of a response to coronavirus. I think mothers are really worried and anxious about their kids. They're not back in school. Their routines have been disrupted. Health has been threatened by COVID and his lack of response. So I think that's one reason women are not going to take Trump up on his uh, offer to, to uh, reelect him. And the other thing is moms are really upset about the separation of families at the border. Mom, mm. I was part of a group that organized moms two years ago and did a big march about returning children to their families. I think people are outraged, and moms especially, that these children have essentially been kidnapped from their families. So those are two reasons yeah, why I don't think suburban moms are going to come back to Trump. Yeah, I think you're right, Leslie. I hope you're right. And yeah, now over 500 children, they've lost track of their parents. I mean, it's just it ain't going to happen. They're, they're probably never going to be reunited. And can you imagine the lifelong trauma that's going to cause for those children and for the parents? It's an abomination. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I cannot imagine if somebody had torn one of my children from me when they were young and I never saw them again. I would have spent the rest of my life mourning. I just, uh, I, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Leslie, thank you. Thanks for weighing in and, thank and thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Appreciate it. Quincy in Houston, Texas. Hey, Quincy, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, Tom, thanks for taking my call. I was just calling because about two days ago I heard on the radio, I, I heard the attorney general from Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, the Secretary of State, and he was, was talking about it, and he said there's a barcode on your mail-in ballot, and then there's a, the same barcode if you was to go in person and vote, and then once they mm -hmm. scanned that barcode that you came in person and voted, it automatically invalidated the barcode on the, the mail-in right, ballot. Right, that's how it so works in a lot of states. 
Yeah. So therefore, you can't. I think go that's how it works in most states. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But there it are some like states where it's actually required for you to bring the ballot in if you're going to do that. And as I said, I, I right. think that that's the case in California. I could be wrong, but I know it's it's the case in one of these West Coast states. And, you know, right. uh, Oregon and Washington state are 100 percent mail in. So I'm pretty sure it's California. Uh, but I'm, you know. But yeah, okay. excellent point, Quincy. Thank you. Thank you very much for that clarification. It's a good one. Jesus in Jacksonville, Mississippi. Hey, Jesus, what's up? Basically, Rudy Giuliani shared with the Washington Examiner that he turned in a laptop to the FBI that had child pornography, which he said belonged to Hunter Biden. But his source for that laptop that he got that laptop from was John Paul MacIsaac. And John Paul MacIsaac had an interview with the Daily Beast, which they released on the Internet on a SoundCloud where he said that one of the primary reasons why he would even look at that, that laptop is to make sure it doesn't have child pornography, which he said it didn't. And the FBI also looked at that laptop and found out that nothing was in it that was worth looking for. So then... No, I, I have not heard porn being mentioned at all. What I've heard is the supposed smoking gun emails are not actually emails on this computer. They're uh, PDFs or GIF files. And, uh, you know, they're just transparent forgeries. I mean, this thing is just pathetic. And the idea, and Jesus, thank you for the call, the idea that Hunter Biden is going to get on a plane from Los Angeles where he lives, fly to Delaware where there's this uh, discount computer repair shop, and turn in a couple of computers and say, please fix these and, 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 and give his real name to a blind guy who can't say, well, yeah, I think it was Hunter, but I'm blind a blind computer repairman, and then Biden flies back to California to, what, wait for his computers? And then this blind guy says, oh, gee, look at this. I better call Rudy Giuliani. He knows about these things. Oh, God. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 uh, it, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even fly if it was pitched as a TV show. Oh, man. Oh, interesting. Just one quick piece here that I wanted to share with you, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. Judd Legum's newsletter, popular.info, that's the website, by the way, and it's also the name of his newsletter. Senator David Perdue, by the way, Perdue Chicken tweeted this weekend, we have no affiliation with Senator David Perdue. (laughs) It's like, this guy has become so toxic. After he made fun of Kamala Harris's name, there was this whole thing on Saturday where people were tweeting, my name is you know, as a hashtag. And I saw Rokana do it. And so I kind of copied his. And, you know, I said, my name is Thomas. And, you know, it means twin or leader in Greek and Aramaic. And, and I will be voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, it's basically a way of pushing back on David Perdue with his, you know, his racist making fun of her non-white Anglo-Saxon name, basically. This is from Eliza at Purdue Chicken, at Purdue Chicken is the Twitter handle. Hi there, I can assure you that David Purdue has no affiliation with our Purdue brand. But anyhow, in the newsletter, in the popular information newsletter, Judd Legum's newsletter, he points out that um, Google has given tens of thousands of dollars to Republican Purdue, not a penny to Democrat John Ossoff, who's running against him. Coca-Cola has given tens of thousands of dollars to Purdue, not a penny to Ossoff. Walmart, tens of thousands of dollars to Purdue, not a penny to Ossoff. Deloitte, you know, the big accounting firm, tens of thousands, almost, you know, almost $20,000 to Purdue, not one penny to John Ossoff, the Democrat. Target, thousands to Purdue, nothing to Ossoff. Facebook, thousands to Purdue, nothing to Ossoff. Amazon, thousands to Purdue, nothing to Ossoff. Funny how big American corporations seem to support Republicans, isn't it? 
Just the strangest thing. Whoever would have thought? I mean, who could have imagined? Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? Hi, Tom. I wanted to pick up with the idea you were talking about, about corporations giving money to Republicans and not Democrats. That's half the equation. The other half of the equation, of course, is what do they get for it? And what they get is a lot more money than what they're giving. And a great example of that is the infamous vulture capitalist Paul Singer. And if you want to understand what's going on in the country, you just look at what's going on with Paul Singer. He is pouring money into Republican governors, and they're using the money illegally to promote Republican candidates. And in turn, they are siphoning off hundreds of millions of dollars in pension funds and and public pension funds into his Elliott management, which has been losing money for decades and underperforming. And there were certain states that have caught on and they pulled their funds from him. But this is the same Paul Singer, by the way, that sent out a memo to all his employees February 1st telling them to lock down the place we're in for quarantine, right, long before good old Bob Woodward was reporting on Trump giving talks to donors, rich donors, at the end of February. Yeah, I thought some of those were at the end of January, actually, but it, it may well be. But and, and also, just to put a punctuation mark on your point, Jonathan, Shelley Adelson just decided to give $75 million to Republican senators. So, you know, all the news is about, uh, oh, you know, Lindsey Graham was outraised by $12 million in, in uh, South Carolina by Jamie Harrison. Well, you know, it, it, not when it comes to the dark money. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Separated by the Border, A Birth Mother, a Foster Mother, and a Migrant Child's 3,000-Mile Journey by Gina Thomas. This is from the introduction. How good is your Spanish? And would you be able to take in a four-year-old girl? She's from Honduras and speaks minimal English. The social worker had texted me on a Friday afternoon. I sat at my desk, bent over my cell phone, reading and rereading the text. My thoughts traveled to Honduras. Bachata, balades, clothes hanging on the line. So many things in our lives seem to have prepared us for this moment. My son was attending a bilingual school. I'm a former ESL teacher. And my husband, Andrew, and I speak Spanish. Plus, Honduras already had a piece of my heart. As those thoughts came, I tried to push them away. The voice of logic came in loud and strong. We had just gotten into a routine with Emma, our foster daughter. Two foster children and two biological children would be too much for us to handle. Our first month as foster parents taught us this. And for the sake of everyone involved, we knew it would be very unfair to try that again. A little later, the social worker called and left me a message saying, It looks like the Office of Refugee Resettlement, the ORR, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, will get her on Monday in court. It'll only be the weekend. Call me back after you talk to Andrew. I asked Andrew when I got home, we can manage four kids for one weekend, right? He said he doubted it would last only a weekend, but I convinced him that if ORR and ICE were involved, they would get her on, on Monday. A few minutes later, I called our social worker and said that we'd do it. When I walked into the social worker's office, Julia was sitting there in a brand new bright pink Barbie t-shirt. The social worker said they'd found the t-shirt in their clothing closet and Julia wanted it. Beautiful soft onyx curls framed the girl's umber face. Her dark complexion made me speculate she was from a coastal region. She stood in dirty flip-flops next to the social worker's chair, chit-chatting away in Spanish without a care in the world. Julia's been talking my ear off, the social worker said. She's so sweet, but I have no idea what she's saying. Another worker brought in a black tote bag with a few other items from the clothing closet, including a pair of sequined high-top sneakers that Julia had picked out. I began to speak to Julia, pronounced Julia, in Spanish. She seemed happy to hear her mother tongue, but her body language didn't budge. I read that signal loud and clear, so I kept my distance and sat down on the floor. ¿Cómo se llama? I asked. Julia. ¿Cuántos años tienes? How old are you? Cuatro, four. She looked older than four to me. I had been told her parents were deported and she was left behind. She was under federal jurisdiction. I would find out later this was all misinformation. I signed some papers and said, we'll see you on Monday. I asked Julia if she would come stay with me and my family for the weekend. She smiled. I told her I had three other kids. Her eyes expanded with excitement. On the drive home, she jolted my Spanish from its slumber. The social worker wasn't kidding about how much this little one talked. On April 6, 2018, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced a new zero-tolerance policy in which the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice would partner for the sake of prosecuting illegal entry into the United States. Sessions said, quote, 
If you cross this border unlawfully, then we will prosecute you. It's that simple. If you smuggle aliens across our border, then we will prosecute you. If you are smuggling a child, then we will prosecute you, and that child will be separated from you as required by law. If you don't like that, then don't smuggle children over our border." End quote. Six weeks later, almost 2,000 children had been separated from their parents at the border since the zero-tolerance policy took effect. When Sessions announced the administration's new policy, I couldn't comprehend the cruelty. I also wondered if it explained why a preschooler was living under my roof. Julia had come to live with me and my family in February of 2018, and it felt surreal to be a part of her story. She had first been separated from her mother, Guadalupe, called by her nickname Lupe through the rest of this book, by smugglers who were paid to bring them across the border. Julia had then been separated from her stepfather, Carlos, by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, likely because what was recognized by the Honduran government as stepfather was not recognized by the U.S. government as the same, a detail I didn't understand until an immigration expert read the first draft of this book and explained it. Julia had already suffered much trauma, and separating her from her stepfather had only inflicted more. The weight of the trauma that we, as a nation, began inflicting on vulnerable children and their parents was cruel and unusual punishment. When I heard that my own country was going to begin separating children regularly from their parents as a policy, it broke me. Reality became surreal, and Andrew and I learned to live in it, separating the trauma from our emotions so that we could survive. As the veil of Oz is ever lifting from my white evangelical American eyes, what I now see is simply heartbreaking. Government-secured human rights are mostly for privileged white people. Julia is not white. Julia is undocumented. Julia's first language is Spanish. Julia is a girl. These are all labels that set her back in a society made by and for white, passport-holding, English-speaking males. But God, who is neither white nor male, despite my use of the pronoun he, shines his good news on every human being alike. The book is Separated by the Border by Gina Thomas. And Larry in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Larry, what's on your mind today? Calling from a battleground purple state, and the issue being having you urge uh, your listeners, because you have a powerful podium, to vote in person, even when you have alternatives. Like many areas out here, the, a lot of your Democratic folks at the lower levels that do a lot of the hard work are retired, elderly retired, and err on the side of caution, and the Democrats picked up the notion early on with the COVID emergence to uh, use mail-in or absentee, it's absentee here in North Carolina. But I'm hoping right. now that they shift gears. There's not much time left. But for those who have requested an, an absentee ballot, I did the research here at least, you can ignore it, rip it up, and go vote in person. I voted Saturday. It was very safe. Our Minister of Health here in North Carolina, and we have an excellent Governor Roy Cooper also, mm -hmm. said it's no more dangerous than, than grocery shopping. So you yeah. get out there because yeah. the, the Trump it's... team is going to use every, no matter what state, uh, every mail-in ballot that's Democratic, especially, as an excuse for fraud. I'm with you, Larry. And one of the things that we all know now, you know, I mean, the, the numbers are pretty solidly in, is that Democrats are using mail-in voting about two to one over Republicans. And that's why Republicans are so gung-ho to try to, you know, mung that all up. So, yeah, spot on. Exactly. Uh, Larry, thank you for the call. Stefan in Mentor, Ohio. Hey, Stefan, what's up? Hi, Tom. 
just a quick idea for Joe Biden. He needs to put together a couple of sentences, uh, maybe a short paragraph, describing in detail how they managed the Ebola crisis in Africa and who mm. got involved, when they discovered it first, who got involved, and how they managed that and were able to localize it and eradicate it, basically. That's the way... Well, let's not forget, Stefan, we had in the United States, we had a physician who had been working in Africa, who came back to the United States and then became symptomatic. He had Ebola. My recollection is he ended up in Texas and they put him in a hospital and everything was good. And then there was a nurse who had been working there and she was in New Jersey and Chris Christie ordered her locked up. Remember that? And the whole Republican Party had gone full hysterical. Oh my God, there's two people with Ebola in the United States. We've got to do something. We need some public health emergency. You've got to lock these people up. We've got to do something. Because you had a Democrat in the White House. This was during the Obama presidency that the Republican Party went nuts. But uh, now, not so much, right? Not so much. Exactly, exactly. And I think that clearly describing the steps that the Obama administration took and the CDC took in order to capture this virus at the source and deal with it right there. And that's how you deal with pandemics. And yeah, not- to some extent. I think SARS might be a better example because SARS was the, the same kind of virus and, and apparently equally contagious. Okay. Whereas Ebola requires physical contact with contaminated fluids. It's much harder to get. But yeah, your point is well taken, Stefan. Marilyn in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Hey, Marilyn, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to run by you something that uh, Michael Cullen said a few weeks ago on television. He said that mm-hmm. all of that negative uh, information, all the stories that the Inquirer put out in 16 about Hillary Clinton, when she was dying and all other kinds of stuff. He said that Trump personally approved all of those stories. Now, doesn't that amount to another campaign contribution violation? A violation? No, I don't think so. No, Donald Trump was the candidate, so it makes sense that he would be approving. No, I mean, he's getting publicity against Hillary Clinton to benefit himself with the help of the Inquirer, and he's actually inputting and saying, yes, put that out there. Oh, his coordination with the National Enquirer. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, David Pecker was being investigated for that before Bill Barr came on the job. To the best of my knowledge, ever since Bill Barr has been attorney general, those investigations have either been killed or they're in, you know, a state of suspended animation. So maybe they'll come back if Trump gets out. The other thing I wanted to quickly run by you, uh, you may have already talked about this, but do you see Trump possibly resigning if he loses and letting Pence take over and pardon him and his cronies? and not going to the inauguration and so forth, which he doesn't want to do, I'm sure. Do you see that happening, possibly? I do. I do. I think that the odds are better than 50% that that will happen, and I think it makes perfect sense. Trump needs to make sure that he doesn't have federal charges. He's going to have enough state charges, and he's got major bankruptcies coming down the road. His kids are all you know, running the grift as hard and as fast as they can. I got six fundraisers from various entities associated with Donald Trump all of whom got my email address from the one contribution that I made to the Trump campaign back in 2015. I got six fundraising emails within about a four-hour window this morning. These guys, they are just, they are draining the checking accounts of probably mostly elderly Fox News viewers who are their base. 
And I think it's just it's just an absolute tragedy. But this is what they're doing. I but think by the way, quickly, 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 I just wanted to say that I heard on TV that Florida has purged over 100,000 felons who were on the voting rolls who have not paid their fines. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Or there's 100,000 who are eligible or would be eligible had they paid their fines. And, and mm-hmm. paying the fines, by the way, it sure does seem to me like a violation of the constitutional amendment that prohibits poll taxes. Well, um, the first so court I, decision agreed with you, but then an appeals court came uh, along and said, no, it's okay. Then I went to a Trump court. And, and increasingly, we're going to see this, Marilyn. We're going to see, in particular, courts of appeals that, you know, circuit courts that are mm-hmm. that are turning down or not necessarily turning down, that are basically choosing cases and ruling in cases that work to the benefit of the traditional donors to the Republican Party, Mm -hmm. billionaires Mm -hmm. and big corporations, and that screw the traditional supporters of the Democratic Party, working people, unions, consumers, and the environment. And it's just going to get worse and worse, and I think that we're going to be hitting a breaking point in the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, we need to get ready. That's why I wrote that book on the Supreme Court, because there are solutions, there are remedies. Marilyn, thank you for the call. Uh, Your points are very, very well taken. Mary in Wichita Falls, Texas. Hey, Mary, what's up? Yes, I uh, just wanted to touch briefly that I had seen uh, over my Twitter feed a couple of days ago a uh, post regarding the Navajo Nation. The people there desperately need rides to go vote. So Tati Blue, mm. at Tati Blue Wave, said Navajo Nation needs rides to vote. Can anyone help? And then a at Claire Ortiz responded, Please, anyone near the Navajo Nation, please get folks to the polls to help pay for gas. Seriously, please, you all retreat and gather the troops. The reason I called you today is because you have a very large platform, and maybe it could be something you could discuss with the people who listen to you. And perhaps we can mobilize some type of assistance out there so that one of the, you know, our indigenous peoples can get to the vote and get to the polls and have their voice actually heard during this election. That's a good one. Mary, if you would tweet that tweet to me so that I can okay. pull it out from your tweet and retweet it. I've got 120,000 Twitter followers for what it's worth. I, I, I would be glad to do that as soon as the program's over. Um, oh, so absolutely. You might I'll get my house and do that. Wait 15 mm-hmm. minutes to do it. But so okay. go ahead. And, and, and last, very quickly, you piqued my interest when you said that you donated to the Trump campaign in 15. Would it be possible to yeah, pick your I, brain I, as to why? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I gave Donald Trump $5 in 2015 when he was running the Republican primary to get on his email list. I also there gave five bucks to several other Republican candidates and to several Democratic candidates. It's one of the things that I do to get on their list. Verna in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Verna, we have a little less than a minute before the end of the show. You got a quick point? I was just wondering if there was any safeguards in place for when Trump or if Trump loses the election between then and the time that Biden would be inaugurated. So hopefully he doesn't cause a lot of more problems. There's a lot of damage he can do, Verna. There is a lot of damage. I know. He can do. I know. Uh, not, not to not that he hasn't already done. Just ex, you know, he, know. it's going to take 20 years to undo the damage that he's done already. 
But that is my biggest concern. My biggest concern is not what happens on November 3rd or 4th or 5th, or it might, it might take as much as a week or so to get all the election returns in. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern is what happens during the lame duck, what happens during the period of time when Trump is on his way out, assuming that he actually loses the election, which I think is at this point probably a safe assumption, but I made that assumption about Hillary Clinton back in the day, and I'm not gonna make that mistake again. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires every single one of us to participate. You can phone bank, indivisible.org. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do, ways you can participate. Um, Support your politicians that you like. And of course, double check your voter registration at iwillvote.com. And vote! Tag, you're it! You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.